Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline. Our Oilers Now headliner today is courtesy of Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today, Wilhawk Beef Jerky. We welcome back to the show. He's becoming a bit of a media darling. We're not surprised. He knows his stuff. Uh, Hart Levine joins us from Puckpedia. Hi, Hart. How are you doing? I don't know about media darling, but thank you. It's great to be back. <laughs> We got like 17 teams in LTIR, and some would say, well, you can't make trades because you're in LTIR, but we've seen some pretty creative ways, uh, specific to what Toronto did a week ago, Friday since we had you on, and then obviously what Washington did last night. Yeah, I mean, not all LTIR is created equally, right? Like teams like Vegas and Carolina, they're in LTIR with lots of room. Um, and then teams like Edmonton are completely capped out. So it's just a matter of if if the teams have had guys added to LTIR during the, the season and they haven't replaced them, then certainly they have some more room. The Oilers, I mean, their LTIR guys have been out since the season started, and so that's why they haven't created any additional room really by and being an LTIR team. And, we, yeah, we have seen teams um, – that are that are capped out like Boston and Toronto make moves. Now they weren't as tight as the Oilers. They had a little bit of wiggle room, but still they they were able to make it work. Part of part of why they could do that is the players that they traded for in Orlov and O'Reilly. They had very small salaries this season, which makes getting a third team involved uh, quite reasonably in terms of the reasonably priced in terms of the draft picks required. Um, Seventy five thousand for O'Reilly, eighty five thousand for Orlov, and that's in real cash costs. That's what really matters for a third party. It's the cash cost. So a guy like Patrick Kane, again, it's going to cost about 165000 in cash for a team to take 25%. That's reasonable. But when you start talking about players with term or big salaries, that's where it gets a little harder to get a third team involved. Yeah, it's uh, it's there, there's no question it's going to be. And there's, there's also, I mean, I, I know a lot of eyebrows were raised uh, specific to Vegas moving off of uh, Shea Weber. So can you maybe explain to our listeners why Vegas did that and took Dyson Mayo back and why it was important that they needed to get Weber off the books? Sure. So there's yeah, the first thing is that it does not help them with their cap situation for this season. So when Weber was on the books, they had him in their cap hit total and they had him in LTIR. So there's no, uh, that's a net zero and taking him off. They lost his cap hit and they lost him from LTIR. So it's a net zero impact for the current season. But where it really helps them is for future seasons. So teams can only have a certain amount of cap commitments for future seasons and there's no adjustment for LTIR. Um, so Weber's almost $8 million cap hit, that was counting as just like any other player with an $8 million cap hit for next season. And so they really had like no room that for them to add contracts that extended past the season. So it's getting rid of him. Now they could trade for a player with term or they could trade for a player like Meyer and sign him to an extension right away. So it gives them a lot of flexibility in terms of what they can do going forward. The other one is in the summer. Um, the Oilers saw this last summer. There's the 10% uh, cushion that you get in the summer to go over the cap. Again, that's LTR doesn't get added to that. So 
Weber at eight million pretty much uses all would use all up of the ten percent that you can go over the eighty three million dollar cap. And again, that's part of why the Oilers. I think they might have had some interest in other moves this summer, but they couldn't because they just were capped out in the in the off season. A team like Washington was in the same situation, but they wanted to make moves. They traded for Connor Brown and they signed Dylan Strom, and they actually had to enter LTIR in the summer. And by doing that, it's very uh, it's hard to make it optimal. And they actually missed out on about two million dollars in potential LTIR this season because they went into it in the summer. So Vegas, they they have the flexibility now in the off season. They can use the full ten percent um, extra cap in the summer, and they can uh, add players a term. So that was the benefit, even though it doesn't help them for the current season's cap situation. Yeah, it's interesting because you look at Edmonton and, of course, off the books, Clefbaum and Mike Smith's deals and those guys are on LTI are all year at $6.4 million. Not to mention they're not on the 750000 retained on Milan Lucic, uh, nor do they have uh, Andre Sekra at a million and a half. That's done as well. So they got a lot of dead cap space coming off the books, and, and that should, in theory, probably hurt, provide them a scenario where they might be able to build cap space during the year. Let's just say the cap's eighty-three and a half million. Maybe Edmonton goes to eighty-two million, and they would be able to, uh, you know, accrue cap space during the season next year. Exactly. So, like, uh, let's take Boston for example. They just made this big trade. They were an LTIR team, and they had one million of cap space when they made the trade yesterday. But if they had been uh, under the cap team, if they started the season with uh, with one million of cap space by the deadline, they would have four and a half million of cap space. So that's the value of being under the cap and accruing space. You could be even pretty close to the cap when the season starts, which the Oilers typically, you know, they spend all the money in the summer. Um, they get really close to the cap. But if you're under the cap team and you, you can avoid major injuries, you can build up some space and you could be, you know, take a million dollars and, and now you have four and a half million to work with at the deadline. So it makes a big, big difference being a, a non-LTIR team. All right, the New York Rangers made some noise last night. Now, they've already added Vladimir Tarasenko, and uh, and basically this all happened because the Dallas Stars wanted Nils Lundqvist, and the Rangers dumped a guy that wasn't good enough to play for them in their top uh, six, and they dumped Lundqvist to Dallas and got a first-rounder. So they had two number ones. They turned around and moved one of the number ones in a trade to get Tarasenko. They still have a number, number one left, and... Uh, uh, last night, the Rangers made a couple moves, and you provided a fairly extensive breakdown as to why the Rangers can also get in on Patrick Kane, which would have seemed crazy to everybody, you know, maybe a month and a half ago, and, and how they can make it happen, but why they have to manipulate uh, their actual roster before then. So it, could you provide a Coles Notes version if possible? Sure, yeah. I would say the, the two most passionate fan bases with questions for me are Oilers fans and Rangers fans. So, yeah, I got a lot of keen questions. And really, uh, they're an under-the-cap team like we talked about. So every day um, adds cap space for them. So they're so tight right now with what they have available that they could not – the players that you hear that are maybe expendable are LeCision and Kraftsoff. They could not trade both of them for Kane today, even if Kane was at – um, only 25% because they need to move one or two of those players off the roster first for at least a few days and start to build up some cap space. So if the only plan, if the only roster players they plan to move out are Lecision and Kravtsov, um, they would have to waive Lecision by tomorrow, which would allow them to send them down on Sunday. 
and that would give them enough space by the the trade deadline would be the very first day where they would have enough room to be able to then trade Kravtsov out and Kane in. So that's how tight it is. Now they could do other things, like they could send Schneider down for a few days to build up some space, or they could send Kravtsov out somewhere else ahead of time for Kane. But that, that's what we're talking about. It's all a matter of within days. You know, one of the scenarios that I modeled out was Schneider going down for a couple of days. I got it to where they'd only have $300 of cap space on the trade deadline to kind of to bring Schneider back up. So every day is important, and that's why I think the waiver wire is really critical to watch for the Rangers. They didn't waive decision today, but tomorrow would be a big big day to do that. And if they don't waive them tomorrow, it, they could still make it work, but it starts to take options off the table. Do you think the Pittsburgh Penguins are up to something by putting Kapanen on waivers? Uh, I think they they wanted to move him, and there was no takers, and so I would be surprised if anyone claimed him. But you know, it gives them some flexibility. This way, they can send him down. They needed to move, make some moves to activate Jan Ruda off of LTR, who's available now. Um, yeah. They're still going to have to move one other player or add someone else to LTIR. But again, it, it creates some flexibility. Um, anyone that clears waivers now, obviously, with the deadline just next Friday, they wouldn't need waivers again to go up and down. So I think you, the waiver wire should be something to watch the next few days. It's going to give teams flexibility, even if they don't plan to send the players down. But they, it's just another you know, play in their playbook that they can use if, depending on what comes available for them. Great stuff, Hart. How do people follow you at Puckpedia? Uh, go to the website, puckpedia.com, and on Twitter, at Puckpedia. Exciting time of the year. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Hart. Thanks. We go to the Game Day lineup report brought to you by McGuire Financial. Have the right teammates on your side for your financial future. For a free financial consultation, visit mcguirefinancial.ca. Edmonton plays Columbus tomorrow. The, that is a 10.30 Edmonton puck drop. The Blue Jackets are minus 68 in goal differential. That's the second worst in the NHL. Their top line is Boone Jenner, along with Johnny Goodrow and Patrick Liney, a three-time 30-goal scorer. He's got 16 this year. Goodrow had 40 goals, 115 points last year, plus 60 four of the Flames. He has 15 goals and is minus 16 this season. Ross Levick came over in that deal with Patrick Laine for P.L. Uh, Dubois, Pierre-Luc Dubois. He centers their second line, 22 goals last year, four this season. Uh, they do have Johnson on the left side. He's an impressive youngster. And uh, Kirill Marshenko's got 14 goals and one assist this year. He's uh, been sniping Johnson, by the way, with 12 goals. Lane Peterson, former Red Deer Rebel, centers their third line with Liam Foody out of London and Emil Ben and then Sean Corelli with fleet-footed Eric Robertson out of uh Robinson out of Princeton, and tough guy Matthew Olivier on the right side. Erica Branson and Tim Burney right now are the top pairing as the Blue Jackets have been holding Gavrikov out of the lineup. Uh, Burney is minus 15 in 35 games this year. Branson minus 19 on the season. Nick Blankenberg, who played with Kent Johnson in Michigan, is paired with Pat Peake. And they got, uh, or sorry, Andrew Peak. Uh, Pat Peak played for the Washington Capitals back in the 90s. Gavin Bayreuther and Adam Boquist are the third pairing. Jonas Corpusalo. Jonas Corpusalo will start. He's 10, 11, and 3 at 3.06 goals against average 9.14 save percentage. Jack Michaels mentioning Jack Campbell in the starters net. Jack's looking for a win. He's 0-3 in his last three starts, a 4.32 goals against average, 8.64 save percentage. Nurse uh, with CC Kulak and Barry Broberg and Bouchard and DeHarnay were the uh, D last night. Um, 
Dernay plus 10 in 14 games this season. McDavid spent a lot of time with RNH and Hyman at the start of the game, but then it ended up being dry settle with McDavid and Hyman. Connor up to 46 goals this season. Leon at 35. Uh, Derek Ryan with Shore and Pulyarvi were effective in last night's game as well. That's your game day lineup report. We're back in uh, one minute's time with Ian Herbers, the head coach of the Alberta Golden Bears. Yeah, that Connor gets, he's pretty good. Welcome back, everybody. Just before we go to Ian Herbert, the head coach of the Alberta Golden Bears, this day in Oilers history for New West Travel. Travel to California in April to see the Oilers play the Kings of the Ducks. You can reach out to New West Travel or newwesttravel.com. Here's Brendan Escott. 1980, Wayne Gretzky records an assist versus Boston, becoming the first Oiler to score 100 points in a season. Edmonton, though, did lose that game by a score of 4-2. to two. Great one. Ultimately had 16 one. 100-point seasons and four 200-point campaigns. And we left Bob speechless. Well, it would seem that way. So, without further ado, I will uh, get things back on the road here with uh, head coach of the University of Alberta, Golden Bears, coming off a bye week. By the way, Canada West semifinal action this evening at the Claire Drake. Reminder, Reed Wilkins will have inside sports at 6 o'clock from Game 1 against the UBC Thunderbirds head coach Ian Herbers. Joining us now on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. Uh, Ian, I appreciate you bearing with us here. I can see Bob's calling in on the other lines. So navigating some technical difficulties. But for your team tonight, some difficulties to navigate against a real tough squad in the form of the Thunderbirds. Yeah, yeah. They've uh, had an outstanding season, especially the second half here. Uh, they've won, I think, 14 in a row. Uh, so playing very well, very confident team right now. Uh, they swept through Regina 7-1 and 7-0 in the quarterfinal matchup. Uh, so we need to make sure we're sharp and ready to go right from the start. Yeah, certainly. Uh, just talk about how you guys used the bye week and whether you're feeling like you're ready to, to go. Are there any apprehension about any rust, anything like that? Um, well, we had the bye weekend just before our last weekend as well against Manitoba, and we came out and played very well. Uh, probably one of our better weekends on a Friday-Saturday combination. Our guys were focused, determined, ready to compete, uh, and played with speed and skill, which is our game. Uh, the last 10 days here, well, the Monday to Thursdays, um, we've had very good practices. Our guys have been focused. They've been upbeat, uh, play, practicing with a lot of speed, a lot of tempo, very competitive practices, hard practices. Our, our guys are excited to get going, I think, with that that uh, bye weekend as well. We've got Dawson Davidson back in the lineup, uh, which will be a big help for us. He's looked really strong the last two weeks. Uh, excited to get him back in the lineup. Health-wise, the team's doing well. Otherwise, it looks like a full roster ready to go. Uh, just Savankov, um, who blew his knee out earlier this year. He's done for the season, uh, so we've known he's going to be out for the remainder of it. Uh, he's actually doing pretty well, uh, but getting Dawson back is a big big piece for us runs our power play plays in all situations one of our leaders at the back end and on the ice and in the dressing room uh, and everybody else is feeling good uh, we've uh, had uh, Jake and Smallwood on the station uh, within the last week or so just talking about his rookie campaign uh, that sort of thing is well one of the top rookies in the conference uh, just maybe sing his praises and, and what you've noticed from a coaching perspective out of him 
Well, the other coaches in the league voted him uh, Canada West Rookie of the Year. Uh, so that just tells you how good and strong his season has been. Uh, very gr- uh, hard worker, great attitude. Uh, comes to the rink every day wanting to compete. Uh, has a ton of speed, skill, uh, versatile. I've played him, I think, almost with almost every forward on our team. Uh, left wing, right wing. Normally he's a centerman, so he's played a little bit of center with us as well. But we're deep down the middle right now. Uh, and he's just been able to excel wherever I place him. Um, very gifted offensively. Uh, use him on the penalty kill. A guy that plays in all situations and is a great teammate. Uh, talk about Captain Matt Fontaine here, third year forward, and he, he's awarded the UBC Hockey Alumni Trophy for uh, for both sportsmanship and uh, ability. So obviously a great combo there and, and a leader that I'm sure you're very grateful to have in that room right now. Exactly. Uh, he's a leader on and off the ice in the classroom. Uh, does very well academically as well, community. Uh, so just an all-around a great Golden Bear hockey player. Um, uh, he's another guy that's had an outstanding season and I've put, uh, I think everybody's played on his wings throughout the season and he's kept his dominant dominant play while he's elevated those wingers games, uh, then allowing me to switch him out with other people to get their game going as well uh, so he's very good, plays in all situations again for us, power play, penalty kill, uh, all key face offs, up the goal, down the goal a uh, guy we use in every situation and positive and great energy on the bench as well. Ian, I wish you the best of luck this weekend in the best of three series. Okay, great. Thank you. We'll need it. All right. Ian Hervers, head coach of the Golden Bears, taking on the UBC Thunderbirds in Canada West semifinal action this weekend. Uh, all three games going down at the Claire Drake Arena, we are wrapping up the show here. Not sure what happened to Bob. Don't know what to tell you. I guess the Wi-Fi is not great in Columbus. What I can tell you with certainty, as mentioned before, is that Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is live at the Claire Drake from Game 1 tonight. And that starts right after the 6 o'clock news. Just let me fish out the guest list. You know that uh, producer Dave Campbell has strung something nice together. Uh, You will hear from U of A Athletic Director E. Ian Reed, as well as NHL Hockey on Rogers analyst Kelly Rudy and Edmonton Stingers president and now co-owner Stingers Entertainment, Reed Clark, will be on the show as well. Tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock, the City Ford Face-Off Show. Set the alarm now. Put the coffee on. I know we always say it, and sometimes you got to wake up a little bit. Sometimes it takes a little kick in the pants at 9 o'clock on a Saturday morning. Hopefully not for the Oilers. Puck drops at 10.30, Chad time. Up next, Global News weather traffic update with Christina Drapo, Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3, and then Jayla and I with the 6.30, Chad afternoon. So long, everyone.